This is Eli Lake, and you're listening to The Reeducation. Today's show is a little different because it's about a story that's very much the news cycle. It's about Monday's FBI raid against former President Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago compound and why I worry for the democratic legitimacy of the FBI and the Justice Department. My guest is former U.S. Attorney Andy McCarthy. As listeners to this podcast know, I do not carry any brief for former President Donald Trump. I supported his second impeachment. I think his conspiratorial ravings about the 2020 election that he lost are poison to our politics. He deserves the blame for ginning up his supporters who rioted at the Capitol on January 6th, 2021. And his failure to do anything to call off those riots that day is downright despicable. I don't support the Democrats, but I will never support a man who has demonstrated he will not abide by an election that he loses. Now, all of that said, the FBI's raid at Mar-a-Lago on Monday looks like a debacle to me. Now, we haven't seen the search warrants, and I suppose it's possible that there is a serious crime that the Justice Department and FBI believed they would find evidence for at Trump's Florida estate. But based on the reporting in the New York Times, the Washington Post, and the Wall Street Journal, that seems incredibly unlikely. So what are the facts as we know them now? Well, it appears that all of this stems from a dispute between the former president and the National Archives. There is a law passed in the wake of Watergate called the Presidential Records Act that bars presidents from destroying or altering documents from their administration after they leave office. The last major dispute on this involved Richard Nixon and the court's did not sort out that dispute until after he died. And then there may be, among these documents that are being wrangled over with the National Archive, some classified documents among the stuff. So, in addition to the Presidential Record Act, we are told it's possible that Trump has mishandled classified information, a crime that historically has been enforced with zero consistency. But even that is dubious because Trump could have declassified the documents he took with him before he left the White House, as is the power of any sitting president. He doesn't have the power now as an ex-president, but right until he left office, he did have the power to declassify documents. So that is a tenuous legal theory as well. So then why did the FBI raid Mar-a-Lago? One theory is that it's possibly related to the Justice Department's investigation into January 6th. That's what my guest today, Andy McCarthy, wrote in the National Review, on Tuesday, he reasons that the Presidential Records Act stuff is a pretext. This is really a fishing expedition to find proof that Trump knew he lost an election, that he insists to this day he has won. That's important because if Trump believes he lost as opposed to being cheated, then he is more criminally liable for all of his deranged nonsense leading up to January 6th. Now, let me propose another theory here. This one revolves around Attorney General Merrick Garland. Garland knows that the bar for indicting a former president who also leads the opposition to the current president's political party is extremely high. He understands that unless he has an airtight case against Trump for knowingly coordinating the January 6th riot or subverting the election, say through a slate of fake electors or something like that, he can prove it dead to rights, then he will be throwing the country into a perilous spiral on a potentially dubious legal theory. And I don't think that Merrick Garland wants to do that. So I don't know, and I don't really think he has a case at this point. 
the same time, though, Garland has to contend with what some might call Blueanon. This is the cadre of former Justice Department officials, cable stations like MSNBC, the Democratic Party's activists, wine moms, and the very online side of the political culture war that has been outright tumescent for the conviction of Donald Trump. He's got to contend with those people. In the last few months, Blue Anon has put enormous pressure on the Justice Department to find something, anything, get on with the prosecution already. And let's be honest, for people like Rachel Maddow, it doesn't matter what Trump is accused of. Merrick Garland could indict Trump for jaywalking, and Rachel Maddow would deliver a monologue that night on why no pedestrian is above the law. So Garland, I think, has decided to split the baby. Clowns to the left of him, jokers to the right, and all of that. He approved this search warrant as a sop to the activists who need to believe the walls for Trump keep closing in. And even though the investigation appears to be about a Nothing Burger Records Act violation, the thinnest of reads on which to take such a consequential step against a former president, let alone the de facto leader of the Republican Party, and even though former senior officials like President Clinton's National Security Advisor Sandy Berger or retired General David Petraeus have been investigated for mishandling classified information and have gotten off with a slap on the wrist for blue and on, any charge will do. Here is former Solicitor General Neil Katyal on MSNBC Monday evening. If, I'm, if I were like Donald Trump's lawyer right now, thank God I'm not, um, I would be advising my client to be telling my family, I am looking at jail time and we should you know, make plans accordingly. You heard that right. Neil Katyal thinks Trump should be preparing to go to jail. Now, in the end, this blather hurts most. The poor saps whose very identities now are defined by their enmity against the 45th president. Forget collusion. Try this latest rabbit hole. It's another promise from Lucy to Charlie Brown not to pull away the football as he kicks it. It's one last bender for a lifelong alcoholic. Again, it's possible we will learn that this investigation and search warrant are about something far more serious. And if the facts warrant, I will change my view. You know, because if the Justice Department does have the goods and Trump really did commit a serious crime, again, like coordinating the January 6th riots, then he should be charged. But if this is really just about classified material and the Presidential Records Act, it will only tighten Trump's bond to the faction of the Republican Party that already adores him. And in this respect, the FBI raid of Mar-a-Lago is an in-kind donation to Trump's 2024 presidential campaign. Because if Trump manages to win again, and I hope that he doesn't, then Democrats can expect to be on the receiving end of the same kind of partisan federal law enforcement they are serving up now. Garland had an opportunity to break this cycle and level with his own side. Instead, he has chosen to appease Blue Anon, and the Republic will suffer as a result of that choice.
Well, we have a really great special guest who kind of agreed to the last minute. Andy McCarthy, former U.S. attorney, prosecuted the first World Trade Center bombing case and one of, I think, a go-to legal, not just thinker, but like a kind of a legal correspondent, writes for National Review, appears a lot on Fox News, has written a terrific book called Ball of Collusion, which I highly recommend. Andy McCarthy, thanks so much for coming on The Reeducation. Eli, it's my pleasure. It's a great podcast. I'm delighted to to help you roll it out. I really appreciate it. We are, you know, here this. I think this is going to be episode number 31. All right. So let's get right to it because I wanted to do a show that talked about the raid that we were, not the raid, the search warrant that we learned about last night at Mar-a-Lago for what I gather to be potentially classified records that were withheld from the National Archives in a potential violation of the Presidential Records Act. Does this seem entirely on the level to you? Well, it's it's not on the level if what you mean by that question is, is this about what it ostensibly is represented to be about? That is to say, now, by the way, I should qualify here that we don't get to read the warrant, right? Right. The warrant, the way this works is a, the U.S. Attorney's Office, in conjunction with the FBI, it's got to be an FBI agent who swears out the warrant, it's usually written by a prosecutor. They go to a judge and they get a search warrant. The agent's affidavit, which lays out the probable cause for the warrant, is kept under seal unless and until there are charges filed. So what we're relying on is reporting about the basis for the investigation, because I know this is shocking to people, but people in the government tend to leak this sort of stuff to our favorite newspapers. And the reporting is that this is about, or the search was predicated by something that has been going on for, I think, probably in total a year at least, which is when Trump abruptly, without planning, and very haphazardly vacated the White House in the aftermath of the Capitol riot and decamped to Mar-a-Lago. Uh, apparently, they packed up over a dozen boxes of stuff, some from the residence, some from other places in the White House, and sent it down to Mar-a-Lago. And at a certain point, the National Archives complained not only that he had retained stuff that was part of the records of the administration that is supposed to be kept by the government. It's government property under the Presidential Records Act. But when he agreed to send some stuff back, not all of it, but some portion of it, when they got it, I believe in January 2022, contained classified information, or at least what the archives believe is classified information. And since if a, pre a president can declassify anything, but he's got to do it while he's president. If he didn't declassify it while he was still in office, then he is potentially illegally retaining classified information. So the Justice Department has known about this, Eli, since at least January of 2022, when the, when the National Archives referred it to the Justice Department. And to my mind, They've had this in their back pocket. If they really wanted to do something with it, they could have done it at any time. Mm -hmm. But I don't think this is about... You mean a search warrant? Correct. Okay. Here's the, the thing you can assume. If they got 
a return of stuff that they have reason to believe was classified information that was down in Mar-a-Lago, mm-hmm. stored in a place where it was not supposed to be, mm-hmm. then they had potential probable cause, not only that that was a crime, that is mm-hmm. that the, the stuff that he returned was evidence that it had been down there in, a fir- in the first place when it shouldn't have been, but that he probably still has other stuff down there as well. So I think they could have moved out on that at any time. But the usual thing with that is that the National Archives negotiates with the former president and they work something out. I mean, the classified information part of it is a complication, but it's not a crime the Justice Department, as we know from the Hillary Clinton debacle, it's not a crime that the Justice Department typically prosecutes as a felony. I don't think the first ever prosecution by the Justice Department of a former United States president is going to be over mishandling classified I mean, information. That's unbelievable to me. And to see the response from resistance Twitter as if, well, they have to collect the evidence in order to find out if they can charge a crime. I'm like, give me a break. These are the same well, people who I was on their side in 2016 about like, well, you know, they're going to really charge Hillary Clinton for this private email server. You and I, reasonable people can disagree on that. But then to turn around and act as if now this is the it was collusion and then it was, you know, strong arming Zelensky. And then it was, you know, the, it was like they keep coming up with things that he did. And at a certain point, I'm just I my my hair's on fire, you know? Yeah. Well, I look, I. I, I don't think they are prepared to say <laughs> this is I'm I'm like, as I'm saying this, I'm correcting myself in my head. Because now I want to say, I don't think they're prepared either to say or not to say that Trump is the subject of a criminal investigation based on the Capitol riot. They don't want to say it because they, they're they not sure they have evidence. And it's a very provocative thing to say unless you're pretty right. strongly prepared to charge it. And they don't want to not say it because the left will kill them. So what they're trying to do is walk this line of very obviously seeming to be investigating Trump for a Capitol riot crime. And at the same time, having deniability about whether that's what they're doing. And I think that's where they're at. So let's take a step back. Is there a chance that, I mean, I don't know, do you think it's plausible that, 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 that this presidential records question with the National Archives is related to the January 6th investigation? Because I remember at the beginning of the televised hearings this summer, The case that Liz Cheney laid out about January 6th was that President Trump knew he lost the election and then took all of these deliberate steps as part of a strategy to undermine the peaceful transfer of power and the outcome of that election. And that was what she set out to prove. I don't think so far that the January 6th committee has proven all of that, even though it's very interesting, the kind of information they brought. But do you think that these that 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 is there is a connection there? Or is this a kind of a political move to appease the left? Yeah, I don't think it's an either or. Okay. Eli, I think it's a both. I would, on your first point, I'd go even stronger than that. Mm -hmm. My understanding is that the discovery that Trump had taken stuff out of the White House that shouldn't have gone down to Mar-a-Lago. And again, I want to caution people, that's an allegation. We We don't know what the state of that ultimately will be. Mm -hmm. But let's, for argument's sake, say that he did that. The discovery of that, my understanding is, to my recollection is, came in conjunction with the January 6th committee trying to gather evidence, not only of records 
of Trump's administration, which they sued the National Archives over. Remember, the way that this this develops is the January 6th committee issues a subpoena to the National Archives for Trump's presidential records. Mm -hmm. And in the course of that, the archives discovers that they don't have all of Trump's presidential records because right. some of them went down to Mar-a-Lago. And that's how we find out not only about the presidential records, but also ultimately the classified information. And I think the other fact that was wrapped up with all of this is that they know, the committee does, that Trump was making phone calls or on the phone in the 187 minutes during which the, the riot ensued. And yet when they, when they tried to get Trump's communications records for that period of time, there was only one call. So they know that there are there had to be some missing records. So I think a lot of this all gets triggered, not necessarily by a Justice Department investigation, but what the January 6th committee was doing back in its early phase with the support of the Biden administration, which did not assert executive privilege on Trump's behalf. So this is tied up with that investigation. In the meantime, the Justice Department is clearly doing its own investigation. So that's the legal status of it. And I think the political element is the Democratic base badly wants Trump indicted and they want to feel like they feel like Merrick Garland is too passive and that he should be like they would like to see Trump drawn and quartered yesterday and they don't understand right. why he hasn't been indicted yet. So I think the Justice Department is taking much more public action than it ordinarily would. I don't want to call it the illusion because they are investigating, but to create the 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 appearance of a very vigorous walls are closing in. Right. There's more than circumstantial evidence that I've seen. It's so we've heard it all. But I'm just it's for someone who doesn't pay. We pay attention to it fairly closely for someone who has just been watching this for the last six years. It looks like the a rerun of the same Lucy and the Charlie Brown football episode. I mean that it's yeah. that's that's the that it, it it actually I feel like it discredits the legitimacy of the FBI and the Justice Department for half the country that is like okay now you're going to get them on what and I'm not arguing and I think we should make I want to make something clear myself and I don't want to speak for you but I think you would agree we deplore what Trump did after he lost the 2020 election I supported a second impeachment I thought he clearly was derelict in his duty and failing to send the National Guard and disrupt the riot that he clearly ginned up, in my view, even though technically he said go peacefully or whatever. So you're not, you know, this conversation is not between two people who are, you know, believers in the 6,000 mules theory or whatever, that the election was stolen and all this other nonsense. So, I, you know, and, and I also would rather have the Republican Party nominate anyone, someone besides Trump, yeah. In 2024. So these are I just want to make that very clear. This is not a defense so much of Trump, but you cannot have a situation where. The the Justice Department under a Democratic president is raiding the home of the leader of his political opposition on the what at least on the surface, it seems to be the flimsiest of grounds to enforce potential you know investigation into presidential records act. Now, if you you may be right that this is really about something more serious. And if it is, I say, charge him if you have the goods. But if you don't, then I just think this is potentially 
horrible for the country and the credibility of the Justice Department and the FBI. Do you agree well, with that? Let me, let me, yeah, let me push back a little bit on okay. a couple of a couple of those things. I, first of all, I agree with you wholeheartedly about the impeachment, but I think you've now gone back to the original sin here, yeah, in which everything else flows because what's going on now, Eli, both on Capitol Hill and in the Justice Department is the impeachment investigation that they were derelict, that House Democrats were derelict in failing to do in January of 2021. Like you, I thought Trump should have been impeached. But when when it was clear that he couldn't be removed from office because for whatever reason, the House decided to take a week off mm -hmm. after January 6th. Yeah, and, and then make what? the impeachment managers, all the most partisan people in Congress, like Ted Lieu and people like that and Adam Schiff. Yeah. Yeah. So so there was no reason to rush. Uh, you know, it, there would have been a if they if the House had said we're having an impeachment investigation on January 7th, there would have been you could understand them doing an impeachment because it would have been saying it's imperative that we get this guy out of office. Right. But once it was clear they weren't going to get him out of office, there was no reason not to do a thorough investigation and then write articles of impeachment that actually matched the behavior that Trump engaged in rather than what they did was which was to write a very political incitement to insurrection charge that not only left out the worst of Trump's derelict behavior, which is what his inaction during the hours of, of the riot mm -hmm. and all of his conduct leading up to the riot, but it was obviously designed more of an as a political attack on Trump supporters than on Trump himself. They had no right. chance at that point of getting him removed. But if they had if they had competently investigated and impeached him, then it would have been much harder for the Senate to acquit him. And if he had been convicted, I'm not saying he necessarily would have been, but they could have made it a lot more difficult for the Republicans in the Senate to to vote the other way. He would have been disqualified from office. And I think right. if that had happened, we wouldn't be talking now about an indictment right now. They're seeing the indictment as a proxy for the impeachment and removal and disqualification that they failed to accomplish 19 months ago. Okay. So but to the extent that this is pretextual, that's what it goes back to. The, the first impeachment was pretextual. They didn't do their constitutional duty. They did a political exercise. And now the January 6th committee is the impeachment investigation that didn't happen 18 months ago. And the Justice Department is the proxy for right. or an indictment by the Justice Department would be the proxy for the disqualification that didn't happen when the Senate didn't uh, it didn't convict him. But it all goes back to to January. And it's not just Trump's election, obviously, is the most condemnable. But the, the, the Congress did a terrible job with impeachment. Uh, that's a fair that's a that is an excellent point you've written very well on that and i i agree with you that the way that they handled the impeachment was was wrong on the other hand in the moment you know like i just felt that more republicans should have understood that you know this was the i mean we know actually from these tapes i guess that mccarthy and others thought you know the, the this is it for him you know they they sort of supported it and it's like I could put it on the Democrats. I also put it on some of the Republicans. Yeah, well, no, I I think that's right. I think that's yeah. totally fair. 
But I, I think they didn't anticipate the political blowback from Trump supporters. They thought right. that he, he was a goner. I have to say I did, too. I mean, we were all shocked watching that whole thing. And I kind of, Eli, I, I, you know, I know it's a it's like a blip in history that no one remembers. But I do go back to this taking a week off after January. Oh, 6th. yeah. I think no, that was no, the very worst point. thing the government could have done if you wanted to, you know, if you really wanted to solidify what the history of this debacle should have been. Then don't take a week off and act like it's not an absolute emergency to get this guy out of power. Okay, so moving moving forward, are you worried about the democratic legitimacy of the FBI and the Justice Department in light of not just in this one incident, but it's the accumulation of stuff? You've written very well. I mean, listen, I have no brief for Peter Navarro, but he's contesting a claim. He's he's fighting in court the the subpoena from the January 6th committee for then the Justice Department to come in and 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 dramatically arrest him in an airport when there's still courts are deciding over his claims of whether or not his conversations with the president are protected by executive privilege or whatever to me as a contempt of Congress to me that's just like putting your thumb on the scale that that reeks of partisanship am I wrong on that not only when do was I the last that, time I, that they that the Justice Department did that for any you know congressional committee that wanted somebody you know right it's it's been forty years and there's really only a handful of cases most of them my recollection has come out of Watergate there was one other mm -hmm. case involving oddly enough Justice Gorsuch's mother who was a federal bureaucrat at the time huh. was involved in the in the last. It wasn't she personally, I don't think, who the – it may have been who the subpoena was issued to. But they hadn't – they haven't done no, – she didn't get prosecuted, but she's involved in the in the facts. In any event, they haven't they haven't brought or hadn't until Bannon was indicted. They hadn't brought a, a contempt of Congress case in 40 years. And there are good reasons for that. Among them, there were, there's precedent from the Supreme Court in the post-Watergate era – that suggests that the president, former presidents, maintain some quantum of executive privilege. So that gives people who want to, you know, who don't cooperate with Congress, a legal argument to make that if the president is asserting or the former president is asserting privilege, that should at least get litigated in the courts before they have to comply with congressional subpoenas. It's also been. Justice Department doctrine since 1971, going back to a memo who was written by a guy who used to be the head of the Office of Legal Counsel, who we know historically better as Chief Justice William Rehnquist. But in 1971, he wrote this guidance, which basically the administrations of both parties have followed ever since, that the president's top advisors – which would be people like Mark Meadows and even people like Navarro uh, right, to, right. A, to an extent. The president's top advisors are absolutely immune from congressional subpoenas. We're not talking now about grand jury subpoenas or civil wrongs. The framers did not want presidents to be beholden to Congress. And if you could, if Congress could subpoena the president, the president would be beholden to Congress. And the same goes for the president's top advisors. That's been the reasoning for the key difference between our system and parliamentary systems like the UK. Right. right. Exactly right. So it seems to me, Eli, that at a minimum, if the if the Justice Department was just calling balls and strikes rather than putting a, a partisan thumb on the scale, what they would tell the January 6th committee is at a minimum, 
you need to go to court and right. get a ruling from the court that that these people don't have the privilege that they're claiming. But because this is a very political environment, the Justice Department knows that the January 6th committee is out of business as soon as the Republicans win the midterms, if they, ta right. if they take the House, which is a very high probability. So because they're on a short schedule, the committee doesn't want to go to court because they could tie things up in court between appeals and everything else for months. And the Justice Department could, if it was a normal Justice Department, say, hey, that's your problem, Congress. It's not ours. Instead, this is a Democratic Justice Department trying to help the Democratic committee with the thing that there is their arch nemesis on both scores, which is Trump. So all the normal rules go out the, the window. Right. And instead of the Justice Department telling the committee, go to court and get a ruling that these people are in contempt, they're instead, you know, taking prosecuting Bannon, prosecuting Navarro. Now, they haven't prosecuted Meadows. And who's the other one? Dan Scavino. So apparently the line they're drawing is that Meadows and Scavino clearly have protection under this Rehnquist rule, one yeah. Justice Department guidance. And Navarro's a weird case because even though he wasn't advised to the Trump, that was on tariffs. And right, what they right. want to question him about is this memo he wrote about January 6th. So that's a that's a kind of a strange situation. Right. But I don't think I don't think Garland should have done any of this. I don't think the Justice Department should be used this way. And Congress, let Congress try to enforce its own subpoenas. That's how it's always been for 40 years. Okay. Well, the, with a little bit of time we have left, I want to, and I th this does relate, but it's a little bit of a different topic, but I want to get your thoughts on something. The, all the stuff that we are now learning about Hunter Biden's dealings with China and other various foreign interests that clearly sought to influence his father. And the fact that we've also learned that the FBI was in possession of his laptop and the contents of it. Does this change our understanding of the first impeachment that, be that begins in 2019 and goes into 2020? Because if you remember at the time, the line on this was that like president was strong arming a foreign leader to cooperate with a, 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 a totally bogus investigation, a completely politicized, almost fantasy that now looks to be like the defense, and I could be wrong here, that's why I'm asking you, right. the defense at the time of the president was, hey, this was a legitimate ongoing criminal investigation and I was trying to get another government to cooperate with my Justice Department, which would have been a very different matter than, you know, could you put the squeeze on my, on my political opposition? Yeah, well, the first impeachment, the Ukraine impeachment was highly political no matter sure. what. And it was totally, a, you know, a straight line partisan thing. That said, if you want to look at it, I think is a strictly legal matter. Mm -hmm. What I would say is there was no we know this from Attorney General Barr. There was no Justice Department investigation of the Bidens related to Ukraine. OK. And if Trump had been pushing the Justice Department to investigate the Bidens over Ukraine, I think that would have been one thing you could you could be. You know, you could complain about political interference, but if there was a real colorable basis that, say, foreign corrupt practices or mm -hmm. American laws have been violated, that would be a that would be a basis that was legitimate to conduct this investigation. And the president gets to tell the Justice Department that in our system. I okay. know people don't like that. But on the other hand, I don't think it's ever proper 
for any president to ask for an American citizen to be investigated by yeah, a foreign government, particularly Ukraine, which is a notoriously corrupt government. 100%, 100%. But on the other hand, do the Trump defenders have a point that it does seem to be a huge double standard? There is all this yes. stuff coming out on Hunter Biden right now that seems a lot more red flag of potential corruption and in foreign interference and all of these stuff that they were putting on against Trump. And yet, you know, what's happening with that? Yeah, and they I, seem to I, have the evidence of it, too, which is the... I, I, I couldn't agree with that more. The Hunter Biden thing is not just Hunter Biden. I mean, the laptop got the most attention because they tried yeah. so energetically to suppress it. But we now know the Justice Department and Congress were investigating based on suspicious activity reports from American financial institutions that were watching the money trail. There's millions of dollars that undoubtedly went from these foreigners, particularly the Chinese, into the Biden family coffers. I continue to maintain that the least important Biden in the Hunter Biden investigation is Hunter Biden. Right. And I don't see how or why, other than for, for partisan reasons and because it upsets the media, but why you would disaggregate the apparent fact that the Biden family got just on the CEFC transaction alone, they got $6 million from the Chinese, 1 million of which was a legal fee that was paid to Hunter Biden to snoop around to find out why the government was investigating Patrick Ho, who turned out to be not only under investigation by the Justice Department for foreign corrupt practices, but under FISA surveillance by the Justice Department. And the, you would think the first thing they'd be interested in if they were doing FISA surveillance, which is about, is someone a clandestine agent of Russia, is who in the federal government do they have their hooks into? Yes. Which would be, you know, the Biden family would have been the first thing they were looking at. So I don't think you can disaggregate all of that from Biden, Biden administration policy as to China, which is very baffling to me, but would make a lot more sense if I started to say, well, maybe, you know, his personal relations and the way he's been bought by the Chinese regime is having an effect on the way he governs. And I think that's a totally fair question that ought to be asked more often. And if it were Trump, it would be the only question we'd be asking. And that's where I get into it, which is that I don't I'm not of I don't think either one of us are here or saying Trump has not done a lot of terrible things and things that are worthy of investigation. Right. The problem is it it's in the last six years, it, it, it looks like there has been a double standard and that in the end will destroy the credibility of these institutions, which I think we both think should survive. I would push back against the very understandable frustration among many Republicans, as they say now to defund the FBI. I think that's as dumb as defunding the police. But I get where they're coming from. Yeah. Well, you know, look, my 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 conclusion on that, and this is like a million miles away from where I was when I was a prosecutor. Yeah. I I think you have to take the national security mission away from the from the FBI. I I'd have them go back. I mean, Eli, this is probably would you another, trust the CIA? Another whole conversation. Yeah. Well, no, I think you you'd have to. You, no, you, it can't be an agency whose job is to violate the law in the places where Obviously. they operate, right? So it's got to be a different age. But the problem is the FBI was an excellent federal police force. 
But in the post, especially in the post 9-11 era, but I think this probably goes back to the 1990s, I think the national security and foreign counterintelligence mission has not only overwhelmed the FBI's other responsibilities, it's changed the ethos of the FBI and in a way that's very unhealthy and very bad. The problem with FISA in particular is there's nothing there to keep you honest. We expect FBI agents and federal prosecutors to conduct themselves honorably. We hope that they do it because they're honorable people, but we rely on the fact that someone checks their work. They know when they indict someone that there's going to be discovery, their work is going to be, everybody's going to see what they represented to courts to get search warrants, et cetera. There's nothing like that in FISA. There's no, no due process that anyone gets. Inspector General, the inspector, and when the inspector general did a cursory look, he found numerous instances, not just Carter Page, where they did, they failed to do the due right. diligence required by the Woods procedure. This is in the weeds. And I know you've got to go. So I just want to thank you, Annie McCarthy, for coming on the re-education. This, I think, was a, a kind of an emergency podcast, if you will, as this was breaking news. But I'm so glad we were able to get you on. I hope to get you on again. And anyway, thank you very much, Andy McCarthy. Thanks, Eli. This has been The Re-Education with Eli Lake, a nebulous production. Please find us wherever you find your podcast. And if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave a five-star review. It helps other people find the show and makes us feel really good about what we're doing.